Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like dating and religion, confidence, and cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight for the jugular in that one, eh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. No, we're not. We are not qualified. We are not certified. No, we are English majors. Geminis. And Geminis. So, like, why even trust us (laughs) in the first place? I don't understand. We lost at least 10% of our listeners right there. Like, oh, God, they're Geminis. Whatever. At least we're not Aries. I'm just kidding. Then we lost another 10% of the Aries listeners. It's funny because, like, all... So, my awful, awful ex was an Aries. Yeah. But, like... Also, so many of my friends are Aries, but I always like talk about Aries as how awful they are. And they're like, Sam, we are all Aries, too. I'm fine like, with that what because are you doing? I feel like the world just talks about how terrible Geminis are. Yeah, well, we are terrible. But like, so are all humans. <laughs> That's the only thing I don't like about the fucking astrology uh, is that it's like, oh, you're a Gemini. You must be blah, 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 blah. And you're a Scorpio and you must be na, 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 na. Yeah, I and feel like, like Scorpios and Geminis are the most reviled of the Zodiac. I don't give a fuck. That's because you're a Gemini. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, I, I, or what I don't like is, we're already on a tangent. <laughs> what I don't like is like Instagram astrology Oh accounts. my God, I love them. <laughs> no, because they're always like, um, this is a Gemini in a relationship and it's like a weird ass meme that doesn't make any sense. And then everyone in the comments is like, oh, my God, so true. Every person I've ever met. Oh, my God. But I guess what I am trying to say is at the end of the day, if you trust an Instagram account to, you know, be the soci- the sociology, yeah. like, you know, North Star sort of thing. Yeah, don't do that. No. Okay. Anyway, this is all to say <laughs> we are not basing our opinions off of astrology 99% of the time. 99% of the yes, time. Just yeah. Just please take our advice as you see fit in your life. It is your life, not ours. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understandings and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing thing that is love. Welcome to episode 61. 61. 61. I can't wait till we get to episode 61. Are we going to do a sex capote? A sex capote? A sex sex episode? (laughs) We're definitely not because I'm not going to be able to say it, whatever it is. (laughs) Also, you know how I love talking about sex. Yeah, you hate it. No, I guess what we're going to, one of our questions is about sex today. I know it is. Are you anxious? I'm so fine with it. It's going to be totally great. Let's talk about sex for our check in. Let's talk about sex, baby. Baby. What are you, what? Like, what about it? So multifaceted. Why don't we talk about your physical anxiety that you're experiencing in this moment? It's fine. I just like don't like talking about sex that much. Okay, but what is it about sex specifically that you don't like talking about, even with intimate friends? Mm-hmm. Because we talk about sex, but like, yeah. you just don't you don't particularly enjoy it. Yeah, I think um, 
I think that like I actually don't mind talking about sex that much, but I also like talk about sex in a very clinical way. Right. And uh like I'm uncomfortable with conversations about sex that are not clinical. Like that are like, oh, I really like it when people like hold me down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it is because of a level of discomfort with sex in general and not even the act of having sex. It's more that like just the talking about it is the thing that freaks me out. Totally. And you know what's funny is I that makes so much sense to me as you say that because I have memories of us mimosa in hand Mm -hmm. and me vividly describing to you what an inside the inside of a vagina feels like because you've never had sex with a woman or (laughs) someone with a vagina Uh and you like wanted to know so i was like well (laughs) and i had to describe it yeah i think i said like a like a like a mouth (laughs) (laughs) you did you said it felt like the inside of a mouth (laughs) (laughs) who knows i don't really know Um, Um, And I've also explained to you in detail, like, what's it like to menstruate? And, you know, you can handle those clinical details because that's how you kind of ingest that information. Yeah. But like I like have been taught from a very early age that like you don't talk about sex. Like, is it about desire? Do you not talk about desire? No, because I'll talk about like attractive people. Yeah. And I'll be like. Ooh, break me off a piece of that or whatever. <laughs> what have you ever said that? <laughs> or like, I want to go to there. Yeah. But. Uh, that is your version of a cat call. Yeah. I want to go to there. <laughs> it's a 30 Rock reference. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but it also, I don't know what it is. It's yeah. just like, leave that to the bedroom, I guess. Yeah, well, it, it's almost like love languages, yeah. right? Because yeah. you can show your... You can communicate in one language, but not another. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's. It's not that I like love talking about sex. I just think that sexuality in itself is so embarrassing and universal and bizarre. Yeah. That it is fun for me to talk about, it, especially with my friends, particularly. I yep. think I. If I actually had all of our Just Break Up listeners in an auditorium, mm-hmm. I might be a little embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> in front of me, but right now they're just like in my imagination. Yeah. I also think that there's, like, uh, for a period in my life, I was hanging out with gay men who talked a lot about Mm. sex, and that was, like, the only thing that they talked about. And I have enjoyed sex and have, like, am a sexual person, but I've never been, like, that sexual of a person. Right. It's not been, like, a staple of your personality. And so I, yeah, and so I feel like I felt a lot of internalized shame about the fact that I didn't want to have sex all the time. Mm. Totally. And so, like, I think that's why I think it's just like a triggering thing for me where I'm just like, I don't want to talk about having sex anymore. (laughs) Right. Totally. Like, go have your sex. That's totally fine. I'm not going to, like, judge you. And I absolutely want you to have all of the sex that you want with all of the people that you want. But, like, I don't want to hear about it because it feels like a level of shame or judgment that that I am not interested in that. And, like, that makes me a bad gay man for not wanting to have sex all the time with everyone. It's like when I was in eighth grade and my friend um, and I were like pretending to be punk ska kids. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and like I wore shoes to school that like weren't Chuck Taylors. Ugh. They were like knockoff Chuck Taylors. I can't believe you. And she was like, what are you, a poser? <laughs> and I was literally traumatized. I felt like such a sham. Yeah. Because like at school, I'd be like, oh my God, I love ska. Gank and Pickle and ska music. And then at home, I'd be listening to the Dixie Chicks and the Indigo Girls. (laughs) 
I was a poser. Period. <laughs> you were a poser. Kelly, I was a poser. <laughs> just so Maybe, you know. <laughs> I am a bad gay man. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So this episode is all about just coming to terms. Yes, with, with your who, own inadequacies. Ex- well, accepting who you are. I was going to make that joke, too, and then I was like, reroute, reroute that joke. That's right. And so, like, I need, to not, I, I need to learn how to not be triggered by people talking about sex and not view and not like have it elicit this shame in me that well, I isn't that the 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 story at the end of every story which is how how can I change my perception or reception of something yep. to be not about my inadequacies yep. but just a simple observance of other people right and it's, it's not, not less you yeah and it's okay for me to not be as into sex as many of the other people around me. And that doesn't make me a bad gay person. It doesn't make right. me a prude. It doesn't make me judgmental. It doesn't make me a bad person. It's just a thing about me that is a thing. Let's talk about for a second about how I think a lot of people outside of the queer community and in it view a lot, like view the queer community as a, as a promiscuous community mm-hmm. or as a community that is sex obsessed. Yeah. And uh, the thing that I want to say publicly on the podcast to push back against that is I think a lot of times um, to be able to talk freely about your sexuality, one that was uh, condemned for so many centuries, yep. you know, um, one that you could be murdered for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's liberating to be able to claim who you are and to live boldly and loudly. Yep. Um, in your identity. And so I want to say that as just like a little note of why I think sometimes um, queer communities and queer friend groups can present more like sexually oriented. For sure. Right? Yeah. But um, but I it's, think your yeah. point is especially important because we can we so often stereotype or one dimensionalize mm-hmm. everyone around us including ourselves we expect our we expect ourselves to fit into whatever mold society has made for us yep. whether that mold is oppressive or not mm-hmm. and then when we don't it's like oh my god i can't even be a subaltern right you know <laughs> i can't even be a gay stereotype correctly yeah, you know for sure. yep. and we're we're constantly i can't be a little punk ska eighth grader right, right. you know because no way can you listen to punk music and folk music at the same time. For sure. And it also makes me think of like how much sex I had that I didn't really want to have. Exactly. Because it was like, that's what we were expected to do. Right. And like, ugh. I know. I know. <laughs> and I I like sex. Let's right. be clear. Like yeah. I do. Like I like having sex and I Say enjoy it. Say a little it louder and like... <laughs> so you get a little more uncomfortable. <laughs> but. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, it was just your personal boundary. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some letters. Okay. Let's do it. Our first letter is from KT Patel, who is writing to us from Seattle. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, thank you so much for being such great human beings. You both are truly impacting people in more ways than you could ever even imagine. So thank you for that. Thank you, KT. I'm writing in because I am kind of struggling with my identity, and this isn't really about a relationship with someone else, more so a relationship with myself. Aren't they all? (laughs) Recently, I have been getting the feeling that I might be gay or bisexual. I get these thoughts that run through my head sometimes about other women, and it kind of freaks me out. 
I'm not homophobic or anything at all. I love the LGBTQ plus community, and some of my closest friends are members of it. It freaks me out because of my family. I am Hindu, and it is not very accepted. It's not. It is not a very accepted thing in our culture to be gay. My parents are not super religious, but I know me being gay or bisexual, if I am, would drastically change my relationship with them. My extended family, however, is a different story. I feel that they are very conservative about this topic, and things would not turn out okay if I were to come out to them. My family is the main thing that has been forcing me to push these feelings aside, uh, these feelings that I have about other women, pushing them further and further down inside me, and honestly, I am tired of it. I want to go out there and try dating women, but I keep telling myself not to because it would feel too real to me, the possibility that I am gay or bisexual. I'm scared that once I try it, then I will love it and it will ruin my, quote, reputation of being straight. I also can't tell if this is just something I'm curious about or feel pressured to try. I'll admit I've been binge-watching the L Word a lot, so maybe the lust I am seeing in the media is driving me to have these types of feelings. But I can't help but think, what if it's more? What if it's actually me? I keep envisioning myself 10, 15 years from now married to a straight man, but still having these doubts about my sexual orientation and regretting not going out there and trying. I feel like I'm lying to everyone around me, but more importantly, I feel like I'm lying to myself. How do I overcome these hurdles and empower myself to explore my identity? Thank you so much for writing, Katie. I love... I love this letter. Me too. <laughs> I feel very kindred with it. And um, I applaud you for even exploring that. I love the Rumi quote. It just says, and you, when will you begin that long journey into yourself? Mm-hmm. And that journey is a choice. That turn inward is a choice. And the journey is ongoing every day of your life, whether you are participating in that head and heart work directly or not. Mm -hmm. And you're beginning to look into that journey. You're beginning to explore yourself and even just questioning it, even just writing it into a letter, you're you're starting that work. And and Sam and I are really proud of you. Absolutely. And uh, we want to say that you belong in this community. Mm -hmm. You belong in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, If you want to be here, we are here with our arms wide open. Absolutely. Before I get into all of that, I want to say a little rant about the word straight. (laughs) Okay, great. Did you know that the word straight was like only first used in the 1940s? No. Yeah. Um, Like to mean a non-gay person. Right. And it was specifically meant to stay like back on the straight and narrow for a person who was participating in homosexual behavior Mm -hmm. and that they stopped it to, to quote unquote write themselves or to oh, get yeah. mm-hmm. back on the straight and narrow, the straight path, right? Mm-hmm. I could be wildly wrong about that. <laughs> I read it on the internet for about 45 seconds. That's great. I appreciate the conviction with which you said it. I was like, yeah, cool. She did research. Wow. Which is fancy. That's amazing. Um, but, well, I, go- I, I didn't do any research, but I just Googled it because I wanted to know um, because... It is such a human, a, a man-made word, I want to say, mm-hmm. that, like, I think I want to urge all of the those out there who identify as straight um, to use the word heterosexual. Hmm. 
Um, because I feel like straight implies something that that to be straight is to imply that if you're not straight, something is wrong. Hmm. Right? Or am I being too drastic? I mean, I think that the assumption that straight is good is something that we should call into question. Well, I guess... Like, I'm fine with being a curvy line. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, I'm more like a, a the, the snake that eats its tail. <laughs> oh, perfect. I'm an infinity because yeah. I'm like super cool and go on forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just mean like, I, I was thinking the other day the way that the queer community has reclaimed the word queer, which used mm-hmm. to be an oppressive word. Yep. And in the same way, I wonder if the heterosexual community could denounce the word straight. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not like losing sleep over this, people. It's just a thought that I had the other day. Yeah. Like if I that if I was straight, that maybe I would no longer use the word straight um, because it does imply like that there is a lesser than. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we don't mind if that we're that we are curvy lines. Right. <laughs> But that the history of the word straight is an oppressive history. So that's why I would reject it. And the, like as a flip side, it would be the reparative, it's the reparatory work yeah. of the heterosexual community. In the, in, on the, and the other hand of it is that the queer community is reclaiming this word that was oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Does that seem drastic? <laughs> I just like hate the word heterosexual. Sure. <laughs> You never have to use it. (laughs) (laughs) But then what am I going to call the straights? Well, you could say... The heterosexuals. Yeah. Um, People call you the homosexuals. (laughs) I know. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, sorry, Katie. I just wanted to go on this little, like, rant about linguistics because Mm -hmm. we're both English major nerds. For sure. Um, And I just think in the same way that we can reclaim oppressive words, we can reject them. Mm -hmm. Um. And I have done that in my own life, right? Like that we try not to use words that are appropriative um, or that come from an oppressive history. We try our best to adjust our language um, to mirror our inner compass. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I was straight or how about this? Straight people, do whatever you want. I love you. (laughs) You're all wonderful. Um, In my life, I'm going to try to take that word out of my dialect because... Uh, because of its history. Great. Anyway, Katie, back to you. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's obvious that you... that I just want to say, number one, your feelings are real. Yep. Your feelings are valid. Yep. It doesn't matter how much yep. of the sexy, sexy-ass scenes you watched in The L Word. If you were feeling desire during that episode, that desire was yours, and it was not the TV shows. For sure, yep. Yeah, I mean, like, looking at Rocky Horror Picture Show didn't make me gay. <laughs> it was a moment of awareness. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was like, oh, this is what this looks like, and I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't, I wasn't like, oh, Rocky Horror has somehow implanted this idea in my head. Right. I'm sure that, like... The, like Christian right is like, yes, it did. <laughs> and are like screaming at the podcast, which I don't think that they listen to. But but like it didn't the L word, I don't think is implanting anything in you or right. like leading you astray. I think that the L word is probably triggering 
desire that is already yeah. innate in you. That's there. And guess what? Here's another side of sexuality. You might like watching women having sex and you might not like having sex with women. For sure. That's a total possibility. Desire is so fluid like that. Yep. That this is just all to say whatever you were experiencing was valid and it was your experience. And you don't you no longer need to waste energy trying to find a justification with for whether it's real or not. Absolutely. It's yours and that's what matters. Yep. Sam and I both want want to acknowledge uh, before we go any further that we're both white. Uh, we both grew up in you. What do you grow up in a religious household? Yeah. Um, Methodist. Yeah. So I grew up <laughs> Christian slash Presbyterian. Okay, great. Uh, in not a heavily religious family, but I did go to church at times when I was younger. Sure. Um, so Sam and I don't know. Uh, we we do not have a lived experience that is um, the same as your experience being Hindu. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing we need to acknowledge because we can give you all of this advice from our perspective, but we don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. Absolutely. And it's just the right accountable thing to acknowledge. Like we're, we're, we're taking assumptions right here mm-hmm. and you should apply our assumptions as you see fit in your life. Absolutely. But Sam and I do know what it's like to come out to our family. Mm-hmm. We do know what it's like to question our identity, to yep. question our place in the queer community. Uh, and we do know what it's like to feel like our actions, like our most authentic manifestation of selves could be a disappointment or a disruption to our family. Mm. And I think that's what the core of what we're talking about. And it's mm-hmm. the core of what so many people struggle with in their coming out stories. Absolutely. And I think that we just first want to uproot the fact that you're, that you exploring yourself, you giving yourself the permission to experience the world is an inherent human right. Absolutely. That you need to give yourself. Absolutely. And I also think um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be so black and white, right? Like you are in a place right now where you can experiment, where you can find, experiment, experience (laughs) new things. You just (laughs) never say things wrong and I always do. Continue. Uh, And you can act on these, these new desires that are coming up for you. And you don't necessarily have to become a different person because of that, or you don't have to necessarily, uh, like label yourself and, and put a stake in the ground and say, well, now I am a lesbian, so now right. I must tell my parents and all yeah. of my extended relatives, right? Yeah. Like right now, you have the opportunity to see what you like, to try different things on and see what fits, see what label fits, see what words fit. Um, and you you don't necessarily have to be concerned about what the future of declaring that thing is. Totally. Like I don't want you to miss out on this this great opportunity to try new things, to experiment, to see what life is like acting on these desires, because you are so worried about in the future, you're going to have to uh, say something or call yourself something that's going to, that is going to affect the way that your family treats you. I totally agree. Uh, Right now you have the permission from the universe to explore, Mm -hmm. to see who you are down that long journey of the self, right? Absolutely. Yep. And how are you going to show up for yourself? You can, what we want you to do now, KT, is that we want you to be an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. We want you to have like 
a cheering section for yourself that's yep. made up of your own group of affirmations. Like, I'm allowed to experience this. I want to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. I want to see how this makes me feel. Um, I'm not going to limit myself to a definition because I am limitless. Yeah. The universe is full of abundance and I'm here to receive it. Yep. And the that might not be reflected in like the Tinder profile. <laughs> Like, I know that sometimes, like, dating doesn't feel abundant. <laughs> yeah, no, really, definitely not. Um, but you, you, my read of this, KT, is that you need to give yourself the gift of meeting and accepting your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that you're going to feel really at home in whatever this next chapter of your life is. I think so. And we want you to go out there and explore it. And I know that your family stresses you out, but my biggest piece of advice is to not think of them right now. Yep. I know that that is like truly at, at the core of things impossible, yep. but you can maybe put them on the back burner. You can put them on mute. <laughs> you <laughs> yep. can block, block, block your family emotionally just to to give yourself the gift of getting to know yourself. Absolutely. Um, and then you can deal with any fallout or then you can deal with it. it it's... Yep. Don't cut yourself short and don't, honestly, I know families can be, especially with maybe a more conservative background or um, coming from uh, a, a cultural uh, practices that might not support um, same-sex couples. Like, I know that that can be a really oppressive force mm -hmm. internally more sure. than anything, right? Yeah. That it can sway your inner, inner compass. It, it can it can make the scales imbalanced. I know the weight of that pressure or at least something that looks like that pressure. But in addition to, to not selling yourself short or selling your experience short, don't sell your family short either. Mm -hmm. You don't know how they're going to react yep. until they react. Absolutely. And you know what? They might be hella disappointing, but they they also might surprise you. Absolutely. I think that if we jump to the assumption or the conclusion that the world will not receive us, then the abundance will never be there. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. It is. It is hard. But I also want to say that um, it's going to be so much easier to to talk to your family about it when you are able to enter into that conversation with authenticity of having been able to let yourself figure it out yourself, yes. right? Like if you're if you're going into this experience questioning uh, whether or not you are valid or whether or not your parents are going to love you or whether or not your family is going to accept you, then you're not going to be able to have the full wealth of experience that's going to allow you to say, I know who I am outside of the expectations of my parents and my family. I know who I am. Uh, and knowing who you are is going to be so much easier to go to your family and say, this is me, love me or not, accept me or not, but I know that this is who I am and I love this person. Exactly. Katie, we're so grateful that you wrote. We love you. We believe in you. Thanks for writing. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you 
lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Our next letter comes from Jordan, who is writing from St. Louis. Hi, I'm a 28-year-old straight male, and I have a triumvirate of sexual issues. Uh, 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 hold on. <laughs> what does that word mean? Uh, triumvirate is like a government with three people. Like three people at the head of the government in ancient Rome. So like there was a triumvirate. Like, okay. Oh, so Why are that, you staring so at me like that? <laughs> I didn't understand the use of the word. I didn't understand the word. I'd never heard... 50,000 points to Gryffindor for that vocabulary word, my friend. Um, but now I understand that there, it's like a three-headed monster. Yes. Got it. Which is the term three-headed monster, I believe, relates to the triumvirate of Rome. Because there was a three-person government and then they all went to war against each other. Okay, so is... I love that my version of et- <laughs> et- etymology is I'm like, so straight people 
She stops saying straight, and you're like, well, in Rome. Yeah, I believe. But, like, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, people out there. Uh, but, yeah, that's Oh, they what, will. Like, Anthony, after Caesar died, there was, like, a triumvirate. You're showing off. You're showing off now. I only know this because I read Anthony and Cleopatra, the Shakespeare play. Because I took three Shakespeare classes in college. Why three? I don't know. Why wasn't one enough? Anyway. Much to do about three classes. <laughs> so Jordan writes, Hi, I'm a 28-year-old straight male, and I have a triumvirate of sexual issues, inexperience, dysfunction, and weird fetish slash kinks. I know I shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed of any of these things, but, well, it's hard not to be. I'm mm-hmm. trying. I have discussed these with my regular therapist, along with seeing both a sex therapist and sex workers to address some of these things with levels of success that could be described as Eh. <laughs> I'm ultimately a lot better off today than I used to be, but that isn't saying much. I still worry I just don't know how to have sex or that my preferences are too weird or narrow to ever find the right person or that I could I would just plain be a lot of work for someone. I feel like I'd have to give a long disclaimer before sleeping with someone. Mm. And how would I ever disclose all this history? I write not just about these issues, but about how the existence of them affects me when it comes to dating and relationships. I've never been in a serious or even casual relationship. I barely ever dated until this year when I finally went on about 10 to 12 dates. The dates were perfectly pleasant, including several second dates, but there was never any chemistry. My therapist has told me the correct conclusion of this, which is that I just haven't found the right match yet. But a different conclusion is stuck in my head. Maybe I haven't found the right match because there is no right match. Or maybe I'm just bad at all this. I can hold polite or platonic conversation perfectly fine, but I have no idea how to flirt. I think part of me has always been nervous about sex or to go anywhere near the direction of sex because of the various issues and anxieties I have around it. Also, I guess I should mention that yada, 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 I had a crippling gambling addiction from the age 12 to 26, etc., which is completely over now, but really isolated me for a long time. And playing poker taught me to conceal my emotions. And it's possible for me, it's impossible for me to let my guard down unless I'm super comfortable with someone. But how will I ever be super comfortable with someone I'm just starting to date? I listen to your podcast and all the drama and struggles that people have, and I'm jealous of them. Because at least they are living and experiencing relationships. For me, it's like I don't even know what to do with relationship advice because I can't get in one in the first place. I feel like I'd be great at relationships if I could just fast forward until I'm in one. But the dating stage sucks and I don't know how to get through it. So I'm just a mess and I'm not even sure what my question is. I guess, how do I put myself out there when I feel so insecure about sex and in my lack of experience in relationships as well? And just so I don't sound completely worthless, my therapist says that I'm actually a functional human in society. I did go to law school and work now as a public defender where I have to speak publicly all the time. And I suppose that I haven't screwed that up yet. Plus, after 27 years of never working out and not liking my body, I have been going to the gym regularly for the past one to one and a half years and feel good about myself physically now for the first time. As And as I mentioned, I have finally started at least going on dates in the first place. So there has been some progress recently. But I feel stuck and I need more progress. So help. Love you guys and the podcast. Thanks, Jordan, for writing. Uh, appreciated your letter. And I appreciate... Uh, how difficult it is to be uncomfortable with sex. Yeah. <laughs> As we discussed at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I think that, uh, thank you, Jordan. Um, I really appreciate this letter. And I think I want to start by maybe opening the conversation up to everyone else in the world. Oh, great. Love it. 
Um, because I think that where a lot of um, anxiety ha- happens about sex is the idea that we think it has has to be a certain way. Yep. Um, and the pressure of it to be a certain way mm-hmm. and the pressure to be good. Yep. Um, and, and all of that stuff. The blanket statement I want to say is like sex does not look like the small picture that you understand it to be. Mm-hmm. Intimacy doesn't look like the small slice of the pie that you know it to be right now. Yep. And I don't mean that accusatory to the rest of the world. Like, I'm sure all of you are very open-minded. But sex and intimacy can look so different to, from one person to another. And oftentimes, we have a little control to what, you know, like, gets our jollies off. <laughs> Is that the right phrase? Uh, I think get your rocks off or get your jollies. Whatever. Get your jollies <laughs> off. Take your jollies off and uh, um, blow your skirt up. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's super real. And that like the way that we have been taught about sex is always like, this is what it should look like, which is penis and vagina. And, and I think that's an, I think the why I want to start with that is that. It so often becomes an internalized issue, like, I am not enough. I am Mm -hmm. broken. I'm the abnormal one. Instead of recognizing that the way we talk and think about sex is oppressive. Yes. Because it it creates a cycle of basically self-loathing and Mm self-harm, right? Uh, Whether you're physically harming harming yourself or not, we continually put ourselves in sexual situations we don't want to be in. For sure. We build our, like, we we tear ourselves down with great anxiety and great anticipation when we are not what we think sex is. Absolutely. Right? People, I mean, think about people in uh, relationships. You were, we were just talking about it earlier, like the sex that you didn't, that you had, even when you didn't want to, Mm -hmm. because of what you thought you had to be. Yeah, for sure. No, and I mean, I think that that is, like, the way that we teach ourselves about sex and then the expectations of it are just so awful. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, we're expected to be good at sex the first time, as if we're ever good at anything ever the first time. Right. And we're taught that, like, you also also only can have good sex if you've had a bunch of experience, too. And it's like, no. Yeah, and then at the same time, they're (laughs) like, oh, my God, don't be, like— I think a lot for women is like, don't be sexy, but be sexy and desirable, but don't have sex. For sure. <laughs> like, uh, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> what and, do you want me to be? <laughs> right. And let's talk to my fellow people with penises out there. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> uh, sexual dysfunction is a thing that happens to every single person. Yep. And like, I there is so much shame and there is so much of like making it the butt of jokes in our society that like. And it all ties to toxic masculinity and the patriarchy. And like, if you cannot perform as a man, then you are less of a person. But the reality is, is that there are a multitude of reasons why things just don't work in that department. Right. And it is okay for it not to work. Right. And I will tell you that like my experience with sex was not great for a long time because of the the holdup that I had about my ability to perform and my ability to work in the right way right. all the time. Right, totally. And I want to continue this little... My coworkers listen to this show. It's great. <laughs> I want to continue this little 
like rant of accountability, especially because you said like it's the butt of jokes, Mm -hmm. because this letter introduces kink and fetish to the podcast, which we haven't really talked about a lot. Um, And I... I'm a person who does enjoy to talk about sex and, and to talk about the uh, the weird facets of human existence, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a person who has been, um, who is guilty of like finding that entertaining and funny, yep. you know? And I, and I get torn between laughing at sex because it, it takes the power away from it, right? Yep. right? But then also maybe not laughing because all of these iterations are valid, mm-hmm. right? Because of how shame works, I know that making something a joke will only make it stronger in the dark. You know, it'll only make that shame and that anxiety beast stronger. For sure. So I think this is like maybe an accountability thing to me, sure. someone who enjoys to talk about the f- facets of sexuality and to not Think of them as a joke, but think about them as like the weird, beautiful, wonderful landscape that is the human experience and body and pleasure and lust and desire and whatever that manifests to be. So I'm going to hold myself accountable to not make um, to not laugh at fetishes or kinks, even though like I, I, I am torn because I do think that like being able to laugh about things in not a cruel way, mm-hmm. in a way of like, oh my god, I so and so shit their pants because that's just what we do as humans. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or or the way you and I laugh at our mistakes. Yep. Um, I I like to you know disempower the thing that I feel ashamed of by laughing, but I do think it's important, especially in situations like this with our dear um, writer, that like. I don't think it's a joke um, to to like X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. right? Like I, um, I, I respect all fetishes. I really do because whatever gets your gets your gets your jollies off. Yeah, gets your knickers <laughs> in a twist. You know, um, uh, is valid. Whether you whether you want to carry it into this. Um, into your life, like whether you want it to be there or not, right. it's your experience. So it's valid. For sure. And I, so what I want to say to you, Jordan, is that um, having anxiety about experience is common. Uh, having sexual dysfunction is common. Having kinks that you are a little bit weirded out by or that you don't want to like share because you're afraid of the stigma attached to them is common. Yeah. So your experience, while unique to you, is not something that you need to feel shame about because it is an experience that so many of us have gone through, are going through, are struggling with. And what I like about you, Jordan, is that you are talking about it with yes. us, right? Like you are- you And are, with others. And with others. You are taking away, yeah, with your, with your therapist, with your sex therapist, you are taking away the stigma of these things that you're ashamed of by talking about them, by bringing them out into the light and being like, this is shit I'm going through right. and it's okay to talk about and it is okay to be inexperienced and have dysfunction and have kinks and have fetishes. Right. Absolutely. And we know that this gets tricky in dating. For sure. Yeah. Um, But there is a level of, I guess greater good is what I want to say of like, you're going to be met with people who cannot be as holistically present and evolved as you need them to be. Sure. 
you're just going to you're going to meet those people. But those people aren't for you. Exactly. And those people don't decide what your uh, sex looks like and they don't decide whether or not you're a good person or whether or not you're good at sex. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And and I I know the root of your question is like, how do I how do I move forward in dating? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it is with um, great transparency. Yep. And, um, and great self-acceptance. Absolutely. That's, that's what it has to come down to. Not that you have to put your kink in your, um, like Tinder bio, (laughs) but (laughs) But you can, you can. And I know of a lot of people who do that. And I know that there's specific like kink dating websites. I think. Yeah. I don't know any of them offhand, but I do know they exist. Yes. Um, so I would say like, obviously you're working on that self-acceptance, right? Yep. But I think of it this way, like I, on this podcast, I have talked about a great love of mine, like mm-hmm. one of the most important relationships in my life. Our first date was epic. I'm going to go on a little side tangent. It'll make sense. Okay, great. Um, our I'm first like, where date, are we going with this? I know about this date. <laughs> day was epic. Um, he picked me up and he, he drove me um, like 35, 40 minutes across the border into Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, pulled over along the river. That's at, uh, along the border of the two states and parked the car and um, we were having a great conversation. He had brought like little appetizers. We were going to have a picnic. I had no idea why he was driving me to Wisconsin. I was just going with it. I was young and <laughs> wistful. Yeah. You got into some random person's yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, drove yeah. You across he was very lines. trustworthy. <laughs> he looked nice. Anyway, um, he... Uh, he parked the car and we went and like we picked out the spot where we were going to eat along the river. And then mm-hmm. we went back to the car and he popped his trunk and he pulled out a picnic basket and it had like wine and bread and cheese and plates in it. And it was so cute. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. And then he said, well, Sierra, what you don't know is that we've been cooking dinner this whole time. And he pulled out a pair of tongs and an oven mitt and popped the hood of his car and in the hood of his car was a bread pan wrapped in tinfoil, mm-hmm. repe- like repeatedly. And in the tinfoil was chicken cordon bleu that he had cooked in his car. And that's why we had to drive the 45 minutes or whatever, because he cooked the chicken on his car oven. Okay. <laughs> his My- car engine. <laughs> car engine? What did I say? Car oven. Did I say car oven? <laughs> yeah. I think I said car engine, but he car said oven. car oven. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's car oven. Yeah, yeah I, it's car oven. It I stand by sense. that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Anyway, my jaw dropped uh-huh. and I was speechless. Yeah. I mean, when can you imagine me speechless? <laughs> <laughs> I just was so, it was such a charming, weird, impressive thing. But why he did it and why we ended up dating for like five years afterwards is that it was like the ultimate litmus test. Mm. He had been really into this thing called car cooking. You can Google it. Um, NPR did a segment on it, of course, (laughs) and he was into it and he thought it was fun and quirky. And it, it, it honestly is like a fun way to make hot, like good food on a long road trip instead of eating like Ritz crackers for dinner. Um, but he was really into it and he, he had been like out of the dating scene and he was interested in me, but he was basically like, well, if she doesn't like it, then I know we're not compatible. Mm -hmm. It was a litmus test because it, (laughs) That either is really impressive and we're like-minded people or it's a really awkward, long car ride home. For sure. Yep. 
So he, he did this very big, authentic is the word, an authentic gamble right away. Mm-hmm. And this is a really long story to say, my darling, that putting yourself out there in an authentic, being yourself at the in the beginning can pay off in really big ways sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I know that's terrifying, but like in this scary world of dating where so many things seem to go wrong, sometimes it's it's worth like risking it mm-hmm. to putting yourself out there. Absolutely. For sure. And I'm I think what what Sierra's example illustrates is also that uh he knew himself w- himself enough to be like this is the thing or at least like if this person isn't into this thing then that's that's good for me to know it's a benefit it's right it's not that that person has rejected me and it's, it's that, not that that person is not right for me yeah it's not a lacking it's not like a less than yep it's that well we're not compatible we honestly had great conversation and we're compatible in other ways <laughs> but it was it was like a high risk high reward sort of scenario for and sure. it worked we dated for a long time absolutely and so i think coming back to you jordan like the fact that you've been on 10 to 12 dates doesn't mean that you are failing at dating right it means that you have been on 10 to 12 dates that didn't spark anything right right it's exactly what your therapist says you just haven't found the person that gets you excited yeah and that's not a that's not a mark of failure that's a mark of like trying like good that you're trying exactly yeah and i want to say to you like the end of your letter is all of these awesome things that you've been doing and all of these awesome things that you should be proud of. Absolutely. And I think what I want you to do, Jordan, is when you think about yourself and when you talk about yourself, I want you to lead with that last paragraph. I want you to focus on the things that you have done that you are proud of, the progress that you've made, the way that you have come so far Um And not get so tied down in the 10 to 12 dates that didn't really work out, right? You are an awesome person. You are putting yourself out there. You are doing all of the right things. You're doing the work. (laughs) Right? And you don't need us to tell you what to do because you're already doing it. But we want you to look at that and say, that's a thing that I'm doing and I'm proud of it. Instead of looking at it and saying, that's a thing that I have failed at because just because you haven't achieved the thing that you want to achieve yet doesn't mean that it's been a failure. I totally agree. And to everybody out there who's like, oh, kinks, fetishes or whatever, I want you to question why you think that there is a right sex and a wrong sex. Oh, for real. Why do we imbue the rightness on it or the wrongness? Like who are we Mm -hmm. and what oppressive forces are working through us to judge what other people do in the privacy of their own home, absolutely, car, movie theater. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that's right. Just, you know, be safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think that it is a really fascinating piece of our society that we um, think that there's a right and wrong way to do that. For sure. Um, especially when it doesn't involve us. Right. Like, Chill the fuck out. Mind your business. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another thing I want to call us out on, us, the community, okay, the world. Okay, I was like, oh, God, what do we do? <laughs> um, is, uh, like, 10 to 5, probably, years ago, choking was, like, not the sexual cool kink that it is now. Uh-huh. Have you? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, on yeah. Instagram, there's always, like, choke, uh, me. choke me, daddy. And it's, like, this thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a fun sexual thing to do if you haven't used done it yet. Try it out safely. But also, please do it safely. Cut off the blood flow and not the airflow. 
consensually, <laughs> you know. Um, but I just think it's funny. I just wanted to point that out to maybe some of our um, younger listeners or people who do who feel like that pull, that sway of wanting to imbue judgment upon other people's sex lives. Like mm-hmm. um, the fetish of choking was like way more in the closet or like frowned upon just five years ago and until like the rise of instagram and uh forever one forever 21 making like choke me shirts (laughs) have they done yet that yet oh they probably have yeah that's just to say like sexuality is fluid it's always changing and it's none of your goddamn business (laughs) (laughs) love it anyway my sweet Thank you so much for writing, Jordan. We love you. All right. Our final letter. Our third and final letter. Is from Bianca, who is writing to us from The Void. First of all, I love y'all. Secondly, I'm a damn mess. It is difficult for me to write this to begin with because I'm so ashamed of myself or disappointed, I guess you could say. I'm 26. I've been with my boyfriend for eight years, and we have a rad little kid together. We haven't always had the best relationship. Okay, I won't lie. It sucked for the most part. I could go on and on about why I'm not happy, but honestly, that's not the issue at the moment. I mean, it is, but you know what I mean. The main issue is I've been cheating on him with a married man for months. To say that I feel like a total turd is an understatement. I met this guy at work like a year ago, I suppose. We instantly clicked, as lame as that sounds. We just started talking outside of work via Snap, of course, and it's just progressed until we're at this point of no return, I feel like. He's literally wonderful. Like, I pretty much love this dude. Now, we have no intentions of actually being together because, like, who wants to be with a cheater? Anyway, I'm aware that what I'm doing is extremely shitty and I would like to to stop it. But my issue is that I don't want to stop it. I want him around. He's like my little safe place. He actually listens to me and remembers all the little shit that my actual boyfriend doesn't even notice. Like I never even once questioned whether he cares about me or not. And he's fucking married. And no, I haven't had sex with this guy, by the way. But anyway, what the shit am I supposed to do? My actual boyfriend doesn't respect me, my boundaries, or my triggers. And he constantly makes me feel unlovable because of my depression and PTSD. I've been dealing with it the best that I can for the sake of my child because, you know, stay together for the kids. I also realized I can't focus on my current relationship while I'm making out with a married man in a sketchy alleyway somewhere. (laughs) And this is also out of character for me, and it eats me alive sometimes. I was so tired of but I was so tired of being sad all the time, and none of this was ever my intention. I need some serious advice before all of this blows up in my face and I end up completely heartbroken because I'll be honest, I will be more upset if I lose this other guy rather than losing my actual boyfriend. Like, what the actual fuck is wrong with me? (laughs) Am I going to ever be able to forgive myself for being such a piece of shit or even trust myself? All right, Bianca. Thank you so much for writing. That's... There's so many things in this letter. Thank you for being honest with us and being honest with yourself. That's the first thing I want to congratulate you for. Absolutely. And I want to say, Sierra and I do not judge you for this. I don't judge you. No. We've both cheated on someone before. We have. Yep. And they have been people we love. Absolutely. Um, So that's the first thing. But we are going to give you a lot of tough love because that's what you asked for. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you consented for. And that's what it sounds like. 
honestly, that's what it sounds like you need yep. because you are telling us, whether directly or not, that you're not happy in this situation. You're not yep. happy in your relationship. You're not proud of yourself for doing this and you want things to change. Absolutely. And you're saying, how does it change? Yep. Well, you but have to change these situations. <laughs> yeah, right. But here's the thing is that we are not going to say that you're an awful person. Right. We are not going to say that you're a bad person. We are not going to eviscerate you in the way that you want us to. Because if because if you are a bad person, it makes it easier for you to justify your bad behavior. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's unpack that a se- one more second. I mean, that's so true. Right. It's easier to say, oh, I'm a shit person. I'm so a I'm shit gonna person. Act shitty. Yeah. So I'm just going to act shitty. And the reality is, is that you're not a shit person. You are a good person. You are a whole person. But you're making some choices that are hurt. That's hurting yourself and others. Absolutely. You are. You are making decisions that are easier than making the healthy ones. And guess what? It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. And 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 what I was going to say is I actually have less of a problem with you cheating. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's so problematic for so many reasons because you're cheating with a married man. Yeah, blah, 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 <laughs> right. I well, it, that's that's the first response. Like, those are the things that we all know. Right. It is. It's yeah. true. But it to me, that is the symptom of the problem. And the Absolutely. problem is you're in an unhappy relationship and you're not giving yourself the gift of leaving it and living happily. Absolutely. You are using this man, this married man who you can't have that you can marry or you can make out in alleys with as a as a salve on the unhappiness that you're feeling in your relationship. And guess what? Of course you love this guy. Of course it's going really well. Of course he's available to you. You you make out in alleyways and communicate via Snap and work together. You don't actually have to do the work that's involved with being in a relationship. Absolutely. It's, it's easy to love someone when they're involved in the fun, exciting parts of your life. Absolutely. So I'm not saying he's a bad guy, and I'm not even saying that your love is insincere, but your love is easy. Yes. Your love is surf, surface level. Absolutely. And so... The, what I am most concerned about here is that instead of doing the healthy thing, which is coming to terms with that you are unhappy in this relationship and that you need to either fix things or break up with this person, you are instead using this like drug of this man that you can make out with that has brought you the only joy that you've had in a Mm -hmm. while and saying that's good enough for me Mm -hmm. rather than finding happiness and health in a in a long-term sustainable way you are instead like i just want that glimmer of hope that fills my brain with like endorphins and then leaves me feeling so gross and so sad afterwards that it validates how I feel about myself because I'm so unhappy. Honestly, I, th- I think about um, issues like addiction yeah. and how often um, if the drugs are or the substance is taken away, mm-hmm. like you take away the substance, but you keep the issues. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Right. And so. What we're saying is this man is the shiny, sparkly thing that's making your life more enjoyable right now. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're doing something that is crossing a moral line for you. But but the 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 self pleasing slash self uh, destroying like it's it's you know, it's self it's beneficial, but it also is like self-harm. The behavior that is in a way distracting you from what is actually going on here. For sure. Um, Quick little side um, trip. Yeah. Into stay together for the kids. Right. Right. Break that down a little. (laughs) Yeah, Let's do that. Um, 
Bianca, I want you to know that I am a child of divorce and that growing up watching my parents um, fight and be unhappy and be in an unfulfilling relationship that made them make choices to hurt themselves and others Mm -hmm. like you are making right now is a much more unhealthy environment to bring a kid up in than to stay than to actually separate. Absolutely. I am a child of divorce and I'm fully capable of being a high functioning shithead just like everyone else in the world. (laughs) And I am capable of love and relationships and mistakes and triumphs. And and the fact that my parents were separated is actually something beneficial in my life Mm -hmm. because I started my understanding of love and relationships with the foundation of knowing that when it's not working, it's not worth staying. Absolutely. And... I just want to say that 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 I actually believe in a different ideology, which is you you fucking end it for the kid. Mm-hmm. Like if if you two if if the two people in the relationship are self destructing so badly just to stay together, it's yep. not worth it. Absolutely, it's not worth it. Absolutely, and kids are resilient. They are like able to bounce back from trauma that happens to them, right? Mm-hmm. And but. Uh, the ability to use this experience as a as a way to show your kid what a healthy end of a relationship looks like, what two people coming to a, an agreement about not being right for each other looks like will actually help set them up to understand that it's not so important to tough it out when things are really, really awful. And that actually sometimes standing up for yourself and establishing boundaries can set you up for future success. Totally. And I know we're going really hard right now, <laughs> but it sounds like that's what you need mm-hmm. is is super direct um, instructions. And I'm going to, but I'm going to lay off a little. And instead of telling you all of the myriad of things uh, the steps to follow. I'm going to give you one step and mm-hmm. I want you to uh, uh, use it and see how it makes you feel about moving through this world that you've created. Yep. And that is every time, <laughs> every time you feel that butterflies in your stomach or that opportunity to sneak away and make out or that sexually flirtation or that excitement of doing something that's naughty, mm-hmm. I want you to say to yourself, this isn't real. Mm. This isn't real. Mm-hmm. This 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 relationship, this is a salve. This is a distraction. This is a sparkler in the corner of my eye to keep me from actually dealing with what my life is right now. Yep. What the, What is happening? Yep. And of course it's real. I, I, <laughs> we can break down the actual like linguistic choice of those words. But yep. what I'm trying to say is like, this love that you're experiencing, this excitement that you're experiencing, yes, it feels good to be desired. Mm-hmm. It feels good to flirt. It feels good to be wanted and have that desire reciprocated. It feels good to be listened to. Yep. But that man has a wife mm-hmm. that he goes home to. Yep. And you have a boyfriend that you go home to. And that's what's real. Yep. That's what's real. And that's what you have to deal with, not the sparkler. Absolutely. Do you have a step that you want to send her home with? Uh, no, I just want to say, like, you know all of this, too, right? Like, what we're saying is not rocket science. What we're saying is probably not something that you haven't thought to yourself over and over and over again. I just want you to actually realize it and to yeah. sit in 
the reality of what's going on here and not get distracted by the sparkler in the corner of your eye. And I want to share a little personal thing, too, is that I've been reflecting about a lot about the last abusive relationship that I was in because it was later in my life and I and I still can't believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I cannot fucking believe that I l- allowed myself to be treated that way and how and that I tr- I acted that way. Mm-hmm. That I my pain like yours Bianca manifested in unhealthy toxic behaviors because I wasn't having boundaries i wasn't sticking up for myself so my desires had to come out in an unhealthy way does that make sense so i just want to like commiserate with you um and say i know what it's like to to know this is wrong to know it even feels wrong but to but to still make the choice that betrays you anyway Mm -hmm. again and again um and, and and i know the physical toll that that takes on you yep that the highs and lows of the drama are fucking nothing compared to the anxiety, the physical anxiety of of being inauthentic, of overstepping your boundaries, of sneaking around. Like that shit will put you in the grave yep. early, you know. For sure. Um, and so I just want to really like commiserate and hold your hand in that, and and just say that I wish to this day that I made choices that better represented what I actually knew was right earlier. And you and I are both capable of that. No matter the circumstances that we've set up to this moment, Mm -hmm. no matter the choices or the situation or the relationship that you got yourself up into this moment, you can end it now. You can change the path now. It doesn't matter how far down this fucking rabbit hole we are. You can change it now. It doesn't matter what you've done up until today. The only thing that matters is the choices that you make moving forward. And you have the capacity to change it now. Absolutely. Bianca. Amazing. Great work. (laughs) We love you. We believe in you. Make the changes for the life you want, not for the person you want, and not to avoid discomfort, but for the greater good of the life you know you deserve. Absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing. All right, that wraps up episode 61, but first it brings us to the blind date segment of our show. The blind date is where we... Uh, set you up with something we think you're going to enjoy. And this week, we want to send you home with... A video game. A video game. Called Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Yeah. So um, I'm like a closeted gamer. (laughs) G-A-Y-M-E-R? Yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, so I'm an incredibly introverted person in a place and in a situation where I have to be extroverted like quite a bit of my time Mm -hmm. like in my job and also like I just really love my friends and and family and like really enjoy actually spending time with them Um, and so one of the things that I do to recharge is that I play video games and so uh, I've recently rediscovered a video game that I really really love called Stardew Valley do Stardew Valley like D-E-W cute yeah and it is a game that's basically like you are a farmer who inherits his farm from his grandparents in this like little village. And so you basically just spend however you want to spend your time. So you can like start growing crops. You can go fishing. You can interact with people. Uh, you can go explore caves. You can chop down trees. You can build different things. Um, and what's really cool about it is that the the creator of the game wanted to 
bring a multitude of experiences into it. Okay. And so there are characters in the um, that are in the town who you can interact with and you can go on dates with and you can marry who are uh, who experience depression, who experience alcoholism. No kidding. Uh, there are same sex couples. Uh, there are people who are um, like totally narcissistic people who are um, like going through all sorts of different things. And it was like very intentional for him that he wanted to bring a lot of different perspective into it. Um, and so it's great because you get the opportunity to just sort of do whatever you want. Like you can decide to farm or fish or or whatever. And you get to sort of walk around this world and explore different types of people and I like, love that and be able to talk with them and build relationship with them. Um, and it's, so it was originally came out on the Nintendo switch, but they, I think they, yes, they just released it on like iOS. So it, even if you have like an iPhone, you can play it now it's eight bucks in the, in the iTunes store. Um, but it's like hours and hours of, of stuff. Um, and it's actually, I prefer it on my tablet that I do yeah. on the switch. Um, and I think it's just a great game that like lots of people can get into. Um, and it's it's great to have a game also that's not about like violence or totally. like killing people totally. and about like how you are you actually like building a life and building relationship with people. So it's called Stardew Valley and it is on uh, Nintendo Switch or it's on the Apple iTunes store. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Make sure to cozy up this fall in new Just Break Up sweatshirts and hats. Amazing. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. And also consider supporting us on Patreon. If you give us $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's $5 a month for an additional weekly episode. Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This literally helps us keep the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording and editing by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you already know what you want to do. You already have the strength within yourself to make the right decision for your betterment. Stop letting other people take control of your life. Stop letting yourself sabotage your life. Choose to learn from your mistakes. Choose to rise above them. Choose to be more self-aware and more self-empowering. You are worth it. You are worth this long journey into yourself. And if all else fails, just break up. Haven't seen myself in such a long time.